And now it's time for another episode of the Performance Improvement Podcast, a podcast dedicated to making your business better. Show after show, we'll cover ideas and concepts that have been proven to add real value to businesses of all shapes and sizes. And we might just have a little fun too. So turn the Bluetooth on, put your earbuds in, turn the volume up. It's time to begin the Performance Improvement Podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan White. Hello and good day. Welcome to the Performance Improvement Podcast, a podcast dedicated to making businesses better. If you own, operate, lead, manage, supervise, or have any kind of influence or decision-making responsibilities in an organization, then this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Jonathan White, and I lead the operational excellence practice of Converge Consulting Group. For 17 years, I've had the privilege to provide support to organizations and facilitate improvement initiatives in many different industries, such as oil and gas, municipal and provincial government, healthcare, manufacturing, and construction industries, just to name a few. Over the course of this podcast and the next several to come, we plan on sharing our experience with you to really achieve two outcomes. The first is to inform you about the possibilities and benefits of performance improvement and operational excellence, the Converge way. And the second is to get you excited because we're here to help you get better at whatever it is that you do. So here alongside me today to share some of our experience is Dave Marshall, Converge's resident data guru. Yeah, hey Johnny. Well, I don't know if I'm a formal guru. I mean, I don't have a cult following or anything. I thought you did. Yeah, not yet. No, no, I'm certainly one of those people who loves data. You know, even after more than 10 years with Converge, doing dozens of employee and customer surveys, lots of statistics, cycle times, volumes, operational data, it all still gets me, you know, pretty pumped up to see pages of structured data, pull it all together in a way that makes sense. So I guess if we have to call me something, we can go with data guru. Yeah, I think that's a, that fits. So what are we going to be talking about today, Johnny? Uh, today, um, we'd like to talk a bit about employee surveys, and we're going to call this segment the Employee Survey Challenge. Ooh, that sounds very challenging. Yes, the big challenge of employee surveys. It, so first and foremost, I think it's important for our listeners to know that um, we have a bit of a different take on employee surveys. Well, we do. Yeah. Um, when I talk to friends, colleagues, uh, and see examples of what various organizations are doing for employee surveys, these days, uh, it seems to me like the typical process is seen as kind of this mundane task by both management and the employees themselves. And I mean, at the very least, I don't think many people get excited at the prospect of doing an employee survey, you know, except for maybe us. Oh, yeah, I probably get way too excited for surveys. But, (laughs) you know, we've seen how effective a good survey process can be. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations seem to just conduct surveys so they can check a box off say that they did it and put the report on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last time we approached an organization to discuss surveys and they surprised us with their thoughtful approach and effective follow-through with the results. I mean, I don't think that's literally ever happened. No, never. Uh, it's usually a very cookie-cutter process. They just have their five-point scale, you know, maybe one or two open-ended questions, and the reporting is just done on top two box scores. So. You know, the percentage of people who gave a four or a five, and that's all we got. Yeah, that's really it. So, wow, your communication results went from a 79 to an 80%. Let's break out the champagne. Or, oh, no, leadership went from a 78 to a 76%. We better fire the leadership team. Yeah, top two box scores as the basis for your organization to make changes is pretty weak sauce. I also think that the, uh, the written comments are 
super underutilized. Uh, totally, totally. Uh, a lot of employees we've spoken to never even see the results of the comments they provided, and you know those are what they you know put a lot of time and effort into. Yeah. Um, these organizations just don't take the time, or they don't have a strategy to summarize these responses. And, you know, therefore have a tough time communicating and acting on the results. If any of this is sounding somewhat familiar, if you've been in charge of administering a survey or if you've completed one as an employee and felt underwhelmed by the results and the lack of action, then not only is this whole podcast for you, but this next part of the discussion specifically is. So we want to talk about our lean approach, the voice of the employee process and how organizations can get a lot of bang for their buck. So obviously, uh, there's a lot to a successful survey process, which is why experts like us come in. Um, But to highlight the main differentiators from a typical process to our tried and proven process, I'd have to say the big four things we want to talk about today is communication, survey design, analysis, and then the action planning. Yeah, no, 100%. Communicating early and often is the best way to describe what we recommend as far as a communication strategy, you know, both around pre and post surveys. Yeah, for sure. Um, Prior to the surveys, you want the communication to help inform employees that the survey is coming and not only that their voice will be heard, but that the organization plans on acting on that feedback. And, you know, there's also no reason not to have fun with hyping up the survey. You know, have a theme for it, put up posters, use fun graphics, um, give employees incentives to do it. Anything to break the stigma that employee surveys are boring and a waste of time. Yeah, let's get away from that. So, I mean, this is one of the, maybe the only time, but one of maybe only a few times a year that employees get to interact with senior leadership and express their opinions. So there's no reason not to make it memorable and fun. Definitely. Um, And for post-survey actions, it's really important to communicate these high-level results within two to three weeks of the survey completion and at this point you don't need a ton of detail and you don't need to commit to anything in terms of specific actions but report back on what you've heard as quickly as you can yeah because your employees know what's good what isn't you know there's no need to be afraid and or hiding these results just acknowledge them good or bad let your employees know that they were heard let them know what your next steps are gonna be you know gonna be reviewing detailed results determining where the areas of strength are and areas for improvement. And this keeps your employees in the loop and engaged in the process. Yeah, and and we'll talk a bit more about communication during the action planning phase because there's certainly more communication to be done there. So like Dave said, early and often is the way to do it throughout the process. Um, But now onto the the next major differentiator, survey design. And this is really around two major components, the questions themselves and the scale for the survey. Yeah, so ideally for an employee survey, you want to ask well-thought-out questions that are in the form of a statement, and then you get employees to rate their level of agreement with that statement. Right, right. Um, Using consistent wording and scale allows you to compare question results against each other and detect if people are answering certain questions differently than others. Yep. Uh, For the questions themselves, when we are creating a questionnaire, we kind of work backwards, and we often consider what the response to a question might be and what the organization would do with a positive or a negative result. Yeah, I have a bit of an example around that too. Um, I did a phone survey the other day related to how I feel about small businesses in Canada. And, and the, one of the questions was a yes, no question. It's hard to start a business in Canada. And I couldn't really answer that question. Does the business have to be successful? Is it administratively difficult? I mean, I can go to the DMV and register a business. So I guess that's easy, but then what? 
Um, what will they do with a result of maybe like 50% of people feel it is hard to start a business? So that all comes down to, you know, just kind of a bad question and a bad scale design. Yeah, a lot of bad scales out there and, you know, probably more so than bad questions even. Yeah. Um, you know, you see most surveys are done on a five point scale. People, respondents are answering four. They're gravitating to four almost all the time. They, yeah, not you know, perfect, thing, not things, neutral, yeah, yeah. Things aren't quite perfect, but... And then, so we would much rather see an organization use a seven or even better a nine-point scale. Yeah. Uh, these larger scales are much more robust. They have, you know, an even range of positive, neutral, and negative answers. And employees can better indicate exactly how they feel. And when the results come in, senior leadership can see that people might feel positively about one area, but not as positive as another. And the same goes for less favorable results. The degree to which people are dissatisfied becomes clearer. So all of this put together gives a management team items to act on, really clear ones. Uh, and this leads us into our next topic and our next differentiator, the analysis of the survey results. Yeah, so using the larger scale has a very positive impact on the analysis. Uh, you can move away from analysis of the top two box scores. And, and please do that. Get yes, away from those. Definitely. <laughs> and focus on the distribution of, the, of all the responses. You know, knowing that 60% of people provided a top two box score is only part of the information. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't know if the other 40 all gave it a very unfavorable response or a neutral response, which makes a huge difference in you know, in how we would look at that question. Yeah, they say you can shift neutrals up easily, but it's tougher to shift the dissatisfied people. So it's worth knowing that. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, if you have 40% dissatisfied, all of a sudden that area is a significant issue. Yeah. Whereas if it's all neutral, probably not that big of a deal. Um, you know, another thing we would look at too is the median score, which would be the middle number in a set of responses. Yeah, the median. So when you're comparing a bunch of questions against each other or against the overall results, the average scores don't often tell you a lot. Like how much better is 3.85 than 3.67? You know, is that difference worth acting on? And how much of a difference in the average scores should be there before I take some action based on that? When it comes to median scores, um, these are much more telling if you notice a difference. And just as a little bit of a stats refresher for everyone, uh, the mean is just the average score. Everyone's used to taking the average. The median is another way of taking an average, and it's the middle number in a bunch of numbers. So 50% of the responses are greater than the median, and 50% of responses are less than the median. If one question has a 5.0 median score compared to a 3.0 median score for another question, we know the responses to that question are far more positive because people have fundamentally answered that question in a different way. Yeah, exactly. And we urge organizations to use this combination of medians and distribution scores to understand where the results are practically different. You know, this practical significance means what's actually important to your organization. What, what do you need to change? Where are your strengths? Um, and this is unlike statistical significance, which is just what a formula or a model tells you is significantly different. Um, We've seen statistically significant results that get highlighted that are of absolutely no benefit or importance to the organization. So it's key to look at these results in a practical way. And we found that our method really resonates with clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other part of the analysis we do um, is the qualitative results, the open-ended questions. Uh, and that's one of the more important parts of the survey process. And I think we were talking about this before. The employees are taking the time to write their comments out. Um, these responses are usually very telling and people are given specific examples for us to review and, and for the organization to take, uh, to take action on. So 
It helps to validate the quantitative results and give additional detail as to why people feel the way they do. Yeah, definitely. Some of the most important stuff comes out of that. Uh, however, the issue arises when organizations are presented with these hundreds or thousands of written comments. Um, someone has to read through them all. and you know, We'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times, some, no one at the organization wants to, which is fair. Um, but, you know, if we're doing it or if the organization wants to work with us, there's a good way to organize the information and to take on a, a concept called affinity charting. Yeah, affinity charting has been around for quite a while. It's typically used in workshops uh, when you're dealing with large amounts of qualitative data um, in a group kind of format. And to start, someone reads the first comment or piece of information aloud, put it on a sticky, us consultants love stickies, and you stick <laughs> it up on a wall. And then you read the next comment aloud, uh, and if it relates to the first comment, you stick them together. Uh, if not, you put it up on another area of the wall, and you go on reading comments like that until you start to see these like themes or groups uh, form together. Um, this is a great visual exercise when you can tell what the most common groupings are, and you can even make subgroupings underneath if it makes sense, um, and it really helps you to organize your data effectively and, more importantly, visually. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, uh, it's really good for the management team as well, or whoever is on the affinity charting team to actually read through each of these comments. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's a great way to do it. However, sometimes you have, you know, thousands of comments. And in this case, it is would take forever to do an affinity charting exercise. Didn't you, know, you have like 10,000 comments? Yeah, it was, it was very close. <laughs> uh, you know, and in, and in that case, even one person doing it basically nonstop every day was two weeks of work. So yeah. you could only imagine what that would be like in an affinity charting setting. Yeah. So, so we'll go through it, we'll read them. And so after you've themed all the comments, now you can organize the data and group it together under each theme. Yeah, and you can show that in histograms or Pareto charts to visually summarize the data to see what the most common responses were at, you know, at a quick glance. Uh, as an example, under a question like, what do you like best about working here? Maybe you'd see that it's people, leadership, and free parking. Everybody loves free parking, yeah, right? The best. Uh, this, this chart might drive you to say, well, what specifically about people is so good here? And then you can go to that section of the report where we have the raw comments all sorted um, under these themes, find the people theme, and then start reading those comments to get um, more specific information on exactly how it is people feel. Yeah, it's a huge help for organizations to understand exactly what's being said by people and it really helps them target areas of strength or and areas for improvement. Uh, you can use these visual charts as summaries to communicate back to employees and then this, along with the quantitative analysis, really packs a powerful punch in terms of reviewing and understanding the results. And we just mentioned qualitative results. Um, that's something we kind of throw around a little bit uh, in the podcast, qualitative and quantitative. Qualitative are written comments um, that qualify responses and quantitative or quantity uh, refers to the numeric responses themselves. Okay, so once the detailed results are in and senior leadership knows exactly how employees feel in various parts of the organization, it's time to then do something about it. And this is our last differentiator, action planning. Um, you can carefully plan out your survey, use communications to boost your response rates, get people all pumped up and excited, and you can conduct the most comprehensive analysis possible. But if you do nothing with that from there, the entire process goes nowhere. This frustrates employees and it ends up being a big waste of time. Um, so you might not act on everything you hear in the survey, but where there's obvious consensus, that's where you should seriously consider acting. Um, and that's done in a couple of different ways. 
Yeah, the, the first way is for senior leadership to identify improvement strategies and work towards implementing them and communicate the progress of these strategies along the way. You know, employees want to know that things are getting done and it's of utmost importance to communicate to them. The second is something that not all organizations do, but is a really good way to help implement great strategies is to form improvement teams throughout the organization. Uh, you can use a variety of employees in these teams from management all the way to field staff. Um, and you give everyone a chance to discuss the issues, validate them, and then determine a possible course of action. And you know, once these ideas get back to senior management, then they can take the appropriate steps towards implementation based on their you know, available resources, budget, and what the direction of the company is. Yeah, I think having senior leadership embrace the process from the start and then involving and communicating to employees, not only from the data capturing perspective, but from working on the improvement teams and action planning really sets the tone for the organization. You know, the business is kind of saying, look, we're open to listening to you. We're going to make the changes you suggest, and we're going to you know work with you to make this a better place. Um, I think that really empowers employees. It does for sure. You know, by the next time the next survey rolls around, employees feel more engaged. They're far more willing to provide constructive feedback, you know, as they have hopes that other issues might be addressed since the ones were from the last time. Um, you know, even if their suggestions weren't acted on before, you know, they know that the company says, we heard you. There are other more important things right now, but maybe next time these ones will go through. Yeah, something's getting done based yeah. on the results, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if, if something's getting done, you just keep throwing ideas at them and hopefully those will get done too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they were definitely listening and willing to act if the consensus was reached. Um, you know, how, that, that's exciting. <laughs> I, I, I think I'd be is. excited about that. People actually listen to you, you give good ideas, and they get it. Things happen. I know. That's so good. Like, Nothing like a good employee survey to get the excitement levels up, right? Eh? So, <laughs> so uh, jacked up. Yes. Well, I think that about covers it for our big differentiators for employee surveys. And really, this is just the tip of the iceberg for employee surveys and what we bring to the table. Um, we didn't get to talk about year-to-year comparisons, um, the Net Engage Promoter Score, which is something new that we're doing. Uh, it really gives you a basis of comparison to other organizations. Yeah, and you know, there's other things like follow-up surveys, pulse surveys that come after the comprehensive one, uh, layers, different layers of reporting, data breakouts within those layers, some infographics that we've started doing recently to visualize the data. Yeah. Um, you know, we could probably talk for another few hours on this. We usually do. I don't yeah. know if anyone would want, would want to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> we might have a, a part two of this podcast yeah. for sure. And I mean, that's just our employee survey offerings. We still have customer surveys, our process improvement work, other analytics. We, we've got a lot of material to cover in the next few months. Yeah, we certainly do. Um, we're always happy to have a conversation with our listeners on our approach for employee surveys or anything else um, and how, you know, talk about how we can help your organization out. Um, you can always phone me uh, directly at 403-616-2564 with any questions or queries. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we love a good challenge and we strive to make our clients' lives less challenging no matter what industry or organization size you've got. Yeah, you know, give us a call, find us on the web. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram just recently now. So we're, yeah, that's right. we're getting into that. Yeah. And, 
yeah, Johnny, this was lots of fun. I'm looking forward to coming back and doing another one. We can have another chat about making the world a better place, one business at a time. Ooh, I like the tagline. Right on. Okay, well, we'll be back next time with more discussions on quality and improvement in the Performance Improvement Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of the Performance Improvement Podcast. Find Improve Consulting on the web at www.improvecg.com or on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at ImproveCG. Contact Jonathan directly by email at jwhite at improvecg.com or by phone at 1-403-616-2564 to share your feedback, ask questions, or inquire about how to work with Improve Consulting Group to make your business better. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next time.